Hi, everyone. This is Mitch Ashley with DevOps.com, and you're listening to another DevOps Chat podcast. Today, I'm joined by an old friend and colleague, Martin McKay, Editorial Director at Akamai. Our topic today is Akamai's State of the Internet Report focusing on financial services attack economy. So it's super interesting, especially given some things that happened recently. Martin, welcome to DevOps Chat. Well, thank you for having me. It's good to talk to you again, Mitch. It has been a while since we've been on a podcast together. <laughs> so it feels good. It feels like a, you know, like a, a, an old sweater putting it back on. Yeah, you and I are not a stranger to this uh, mode of communication or to podcasts in general. So yeah, we go back about, what, 12 years? Yeah, yeah, I think about that. I think, you know, I've been in your podcast, you've been in mine and Alan's and different ones. So yeah, I think it's been about 12 years. So good to be back in the saddle again. Well, for those folks that don't know you, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Tell us about you, what you do at Akamai, and uh, and just briefly, uh, hopefully nobody, everybody knows Akamai, but give us a sense or two of what Akamai does. So I'm Akamai's editorial director. Uh, I've got like 20 years of background in security, and somehow that got me to being a writer and editor of security reporting, of security tools. And I get to help direct where some of our reporting goes uh, on the huge data sets that Akamai has. If people aren't aware of it, Akamai is one of the biggest content delivery networks and security mm-hmm. networks in the world. Um, somewhere around, I think our average right now is about 50 terabits a second of the world's internet traffic flows across our network. So we've got a huge amount of data that we're pulling from. And this report highlights how we, we're trying to look across multiple data sets instead of just looking at one type of data or one type of attack and draw conclusions from that. You know, there is some comfort. Uh, you you obviously see a vast amount of information traffic flowing across the content distribution network. So you're in a great position to see kind of what's happening and see the trends, see the new things that are occurring. Well, that's exactly right. And part of why we're doing the SODI, the State of the Internet Security Reports, part, part of why we're doing it in this way is it's important to pull back the lens and, and look at um, attacks against organizations as an ecosystem. Um, The fact that we're looking at credential stuffing for financial services is important, but how do things like web application attacks, how does DDoS fit into that? How does phishing fit into that? That was a lot of what's important to us. I mean, the DNS information that that is out there um, that we can tie into that was really important. I mean, in on the case of DNS, we found that while financial services aren't always the biggest um, number of attacks straight up, impersonation attempts of the financial services and the DNS information financial services use account for nearly 50% of that particular data set. Mm-hmm. So banks, credit unions, um, investment firms, they're really, really under attack on a daily basis. Uh, and it's it's not going to stop anytime soon. Well, it's like the old joke: uh, why do why do robbers rob banks? Because that's where the money is, right? Same kind of thing on the internet. Yeah, and I mean, one of the things that we talk about in this report is that Steve Reagan, one of my writers, actually, while we were starting to write the report, his account got attacked. He mm-hmm. became part of a of a, a a localized attempt to do credential abuse against his bank. And over the course of a weekend, his account got locked out two or three times. Wow. So this is not just a ephemeral 
something that's way out there that nobody actually has to deal with. This is something that's hitting people on a personal level and actually having impact on day-to-day lives. It's really interesting that happened while you were doing this report, because in the report, it actually has a one-page section on Steve and what he experienced. And so let's, let's step back for a minute. You're focusing, obviously, on the financial services industry, because that's where the money is. That's where the attackers go. You mentioned also gaming having a, a large number of attacks, actually, in terms of total quantity, right? Gaming sites, a big target of this, but in terms of what most of the attacks are actually going after is financial institutions. Do I have that right? You do, but remember that, as I said, this is an ecosystem. So gaming attacks and credential abuse against gaming is tied to financial services mm. attacks. Okay. When you, when, you, when you look back at it, you've got things like Have I Been Pwned, where Troy Hunt is keeping a, a massive database of all of the, the uh, credentials that have been stolen over the last, I guess, almost a decade now. And those are used as sort of a starting point in some of these attacks as somebody pulls up a a tool that they can just buy off the internet, they feed it this credential um, list, they then go attack a site, or they use it to uh, uh, do a bunch of credential stuffing attacks against the site. It doesn't matter where, they're just going out there to try and test out this list to see what's happening. When they do that, they get some of these um, uh, credentials turn up to be good. Even if you're going against a gaming site, the people that are, are reusing their passwords, their usernames, those are then getting tested against banks, against other things. We see the phishing. A lot of times the phishing attempts are aimed at trying to add valid usernames and passwords to the, to the list that people are using. So it really is all tied together, and it's all tied together to try and get money. You know, your your point about this being an ecosystem is a good one, actually, and actually you refer to it in the report also as an economy, because there are people who take the data breaches, assemble the, these collections of lists of user ID and, and passwords, and that's where this stuffing attacks come from, right? Where they're doing combinations of user ID and passwords, automated attacks, you know, repeated, repeated until they get one that goes in, which of course speaks to why you don't want to reuse your passwords. Yeah, I mean, the, people ask what, what should the user do, and quite frankly, using password vaults is the single biggest thing a user can do, uh, of, of having a random password that they cut and paste from 1Password or LastPass or something, or even, quite frankly, using a, a small notepad and keeping semi-random passwords in that rather than just reusing the same passwords again and again so you can remember them. Mm -hmm. That's great advice for us as individuals. What are the learnings in this report that apply to the enterprise medium-sized businesses? What are are their takeaways? It's kind of hard to tell banks what they should do for a number of reasons, but the, the biggest one is because they are all individuals, organizations, just like we are all individual people. Um, I, I think that banks should be starting with educating their users. We, we mentioned gaming, and one of the things that we talked about last month um, in our, our other report was that gaming companies are doing a lot to, to educate younger users about two-factor authentication, about not reusing passwords. Mm -hmm. Um, Banks need to be doing that same level of education. The problem is banks have to do that with older customers who are already kind of set in their ways. So it's, it becomes a little bit harder to teach them. 
Well, the other young, thing is, is I'm just going to say younger, younger folks are kind of in, in this economy, right? They're in this online ecosystem. And so they're living and eating, breathing it more often. Yeah. And when I say older, I don't mean 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. I mean, even 20, late, late 20s, early 30s, people who are using the internet at those rates um, mm. as kids are. Because quite frankly, a lot of the gaming audience is in their 20s and 30s. I mean, I spent three or four hours playing uh, Borderlands 2 yesterday. So it's it's not like us older folks don't play games too. <laughs> we do. I still do as well. Um, so, uh, so thinking about enterprises, you know, it, 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 banks tend to be on the forefront of, of cybersecurity. Other enterprises, maybe less so, not, not quite as sophisticated. Do you think there's some takeaways for folks that aren't banks in this information? I think there is because banks are mostly, um, th think of them almost as a bellwether. I mean, right now what we're seeing against some of the gaming companies and some of the other, some of the retail companies may be um, a bit more edgy and a bit more, uh, or I should say on the edge of what's possible, but banks are pretty stable, pretty, had to have systems that are pretty well set in their ways. And so um, the attackers use that to their advantage. Mm -hmm. um, you asked about some of the things that, that banks and, and other organizations can do. First of all, is just having awareness that there is an issue. I mean, we, we, there's some good evidence out there that some companies are, are not paying as much attention to the logins as they should be. You don't necessarily see everybody paying attention to the, the, the numbers of logins unless it starts causing a problem. The other thing to be careful about is to have businesses start looking at their APIs. I mean, you, mm. when you have an API, it's really meant to be computer-to-computer -computer or computer-to-application-driven, but we're starting to suspect that there's a lot of attacks going against APIs uh, that are just not being noticed because it doesn't have the same level of, of coverage, the same level of um, awareness in the enterprise as the user login does. And quite frankly, if, if you're not paying enough attention to that, it can go a long period of time uh, without somebody noticing that your API has been compromised. Mm -hmm. It looks like another system. And if you don't know it's not a legitimate system, things go on. Exactly. You know, some of the interesting things, too, the, uh, the timing of this report coming out, uh, you know, Capital One announced their breach in uh, late July, 100 million people, credit scores, balances, all kinds of stuff. Now, this apparently was done by an insider, an employee at the company who uh, broke into some uh, cloud server firewalls in AWS. Uh, is that the kind of thing you're not probably not going to see in an Akamai report, correct? Well, no, we wouldn't. First of all, we wouldn't be allowed to talk about a specific customer so you're not, unless they agreed. So you're not going to see us naming names 90% of the time. Mm -hmm. um, on the other hand, um, this is this is sometimes sort of the, some of the data we have because we do have a web application firewall that's built into the network. We are reporting on some of that data, so there's some of it that that yeah we possibly could see at the the least granular level. Meaning, we're going to see attacks that are on the range of hundreds of thousands to millions against a single customer. Mm -hmm. We're not necessarily in my reporting going to be able to look at one or two customers and say, this is what they saw. Right. Um, but that's probably not the type of attack a web application firewall is going to catch in the first place. 
Yeah, not an insider threat, someone who already has access. And to your point, um, you know, you're showing us what the trends are and what the volume, which also, of course, speaks to automation. I thought it was also interesting, of course, you know, we talk about end users, we need to talk about phishing, that the in the enterprise segment of it, the, the domains that were used were from technology companies when phishing is directed at enterprises, whereas with consumers, it's more often financial services domains that are targeted at phishing attacks at those end consumers. Yeah, we don't have a real good, clear understanding of why the high tech shows up so much um, for the enterprise side. But I suspect part of it is because a lot of this is social media companies, it's other companies around the web that actually have access to our credentials more so than, say, a bank or, or e-commerce does. These are the types of, of companies that may have maybe just a jumping off point, basically, is what I'm thinking, mm-hmm. um, is you, you get access into their networks and you, ha- you have access to other stuff. Interesting. I was trying to understand that myself too, and the report doesn't go into into depth about what the tech domains are. But you know, might it be someone who's impersonating a Dropbox uh, admin, contacting you about resetting a password or something, or you know, a technology service like that to to a business, uh, to the to the end users at a company. There's there's no there's no lack of who it can be, um, and we're we're seeing that there's just so much of it. I mean, part of what we talk about in the report is the kits that people can buy. You can go out and for as little as twenty dollars, if you're a, a if you're wanting to attack a company, you can go out and buy one of these all-in-one botnets, where you're buying the tools to create a botnet to harvest the the um, credentials to test the credentials. You can buy a phishing kit that in a lot of cases comes pre-programmed, pre-configured to target specific companies. Um, So all of this is actually out there. I hate using the term dark web, but it's probably the best one we can use right now (laughs) Mm -hmm. of where people can go with a credit card and very little technical knowledge and get all of the tools they need to start this whole process to go from just having a list of, of usernames and passwords they found on the internet to actually compromising accounts mm-hmm. and being able to steal people's people's game accounts or people's financial services accounts. It was interesting about the all-in-one tools that you talked about in the report, things like Sniper, is that they're tuned, as you said, you can get them tuned to go after certain targets, certain co- uh, companies, but they also take these uh, lists. It's, it's a kind of a brute force. It's, it's high volume, high automated, you know, much more probability of success. Well, and, and one of the things we've been discussing is uh, ourselves is that this is a way for a criminal to make money, creating these sorts of kits, not using them, but creating the kits themselves is a way for a criminal to make money that is relatively low risk to them. It may, excuse me, it may not get them the actual account numbers. It might not get them the actual dollars and, and pounds from an account, but it will be much safer and it will be much less likely that they'll be be picked up by Europol, by FBI, by Scotland Yard, than the people who are actually doing the attacks themselves. Really good point. I'm curious, I I know your report doesn't kind of go into this, but I'm just wondering from your own professional experience, you know, you've been in cybersecurity for a long time. Do you think these 
pre-configured all-in-one tools um, have as much success rate or greater success rate than say, you know, a hacker doing it themselves rather than getting some free or, or uh, minimally paid for piece of software to do this? Are they that good? I don't know if they're that good. We're still looking into that a little bit and, and what they're aimed at because they the different tool sets do have, have different purposes. Um, and quite frankly, it depends. We know some really good people, uh, and some of them we'll be seeing next week at Black Hat and DEF CON, who can program and write tools to exploit with the best people in the world. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be beating some of those people for phishing, for uh, um, exploits. On the other hand, if you're a 15-year-old who just wants to get to somebody's account online, if you're a, a 20-something who doesn't have a lot of technical skills but has an idea of, of how they might want to write a phishing email scam or write something um, to test accounts um, on a bank, if you're that type of person, which most people are, and uh, you're going to have much better success with one of these tools than you will um, trying to develop your own, trying to roll your own from the start. I mean, it, it directly to the DevOps community, this is like somebody trying to do encryption uh, for a product themselves versus trying to learn how to use the encryption tools that are out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of them might be able to build better encryption than the professionals, than the tried and true methods. But 95% of the time, if you try and roll your own encryption, it's going to be bad. It just makes the, the bar lower for, for people to get into this. They don't have to create all the sophisticated tools, at least at the beginning. Right. I mean, and one, one last thing I want, kind of want people to know is a lot of this is coming from the U.S. It's targeting the U.S. That, that is not something that's cha- going to change anytime soon. A lot of the attra- attacks we see are U.S. attackers ta- targeting um, U.S. companies. Mm-hmm. But that being said... We've been seeing Russia more often in the top two or three. We've been seeing China consistently in the top two or three. Um, the, there, there is some, uh, how to put it, there is some uh, consistency in the places this is coming from and targeting, but it's almost all targeting the U.S. because, back to your point from earlier, that's where the money is. To be clear, that's just where the last hop is before it's hitting Akamai. We don't know that's where the attackers are for certain. Mm-hmm. But we have reason to suspect that in most of the cases, it is in the, re- the country and the region that they're in that, that the attackers are. But we, there's going to be exceptions to that of people using VPNs, of people using um, bulletproof hosting providers and things like that. This has been a, a very well put together program that uh, you've been a part of for some time. Um, I'm just curious what your thoughts on are, what we can, can we kind of see down the road of things we might see coming from you in terms of these kind of reports. Do you typically focus on gaming and financial or are there other areas that you're exploring or considering for the future to report on? I'm always bent on, on doing better next time, of evolving, of, of trying something different, because the story gets boring if I tell the same stories again and again. We're looking at diving deeper into phishing in the future. We're looking at some of the carrier data we have. The next report is planned to be on retail, because Christmas is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, winter is coming? No, Christmas is coming. Um, all <laughs> too soon. <laughs> um, yeah, different show. And... Um, 
I think we want to take a look at what is happening with retail organizations and what some of the things that they might be seeing over the Christmas holidays, over the, the holidays and what that means. Because again, this is just a microcosm. This is a snapshot on one slice of the threat landscape, but it does have reflections and interactions with the rest of the landscape. You know, one of the really, thank you for that, Martin. One of the really valuable things I think that this report could be used for is for a CISO or a security professional in a business is to be able to kind of take a summarized package version of this and present it to their senior executives to say, these are the kind of things that we're preventing. This is what your investment is uh, is being used for because these things are happening. I'm not necessarily just using this to scare you, but it's real stuff. And we're using intelligence like this from Akamai to help guide and direct our, at least one of the resources to do that for our program. Yeah, if anybody wants the slides or a slide, let me know. I can provide those. Where can folks contact you or download the report? Uh, Akamai.com slash SOTI to download the report. And I think that there's a uh, a link there that they can send in, or they can just contact me directly at M-M-C-K-E-A-Y at Akamai.com. Great. I'll make sure we include that in the the write-up online. So... Everyone, it's uh, we've listened to another DevOps chat podcast, and I'd like to thank my good friend, Martin McKay, Editorial Director at Akamai, for joining us. Thank you, Martin. Thank you, Mitch. And of course, we'd like to thank our listeners, you, for joining us today. This is Mitch Ashley with DevOps.com. You've listened to another DevOps chat. Be careful out there.